So I saved and saved menus, and in 1991, created an exhibition called A Million Menus, an exhibition and celebration of Chinese takeout food in America. And if things could have been called viral before the internet, that was viral. And so I kept collecting and working with ordinary everyday things because I can't afford Picasso ceramics. But why can't I play the game the same as Mr. Lauder? Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. New York City's newest museum, WAM, is right here in Epicenter NYC's backyard, and quite literally, the backyard of the museum's founders. WAM is ambitious in its goal to lift up the multitude of international cultures in Woodside, including its established Bhutanese, Irish, Japanese, Korean, Mexican, Nepali, Peruvian, Filipino, Romanian, Thai, Tibetan, and Ukrainian communities. The museum will launch an exhibition constructed by artist and co-founder Mickey Watanabe Spiller. It focuses on the arts, cultures, and forgotten histories of Woodside Heights. Today, Epicenter's co-founder and creative director Nitin Mukul talks to artist and WAM founder Harley J. Spiller. Harley brings more than 40 years of professional museum and curating experience and currently serves as the executive director of Franklin Furness Archive. He also sits on the board of directors of City Reliquary, as well as Vocal Orth Museum, Victorian Gardens, and Bird Sanctuary in Flushing. Hi, I'm here with Harley J. Spiller, co-founder of the Woodside Heights Art Museum, or WAM, and we're celebrating the launch of the newest museum in New York City in Woodside, which is WAM. Thank you very much, Nitin. Uh, when you ask me to talk a little bit, that's a tall order. So feel free to interject and slow my roll at any time. Wham is perhaps something that has always been hidden in my blood. I don't know. I come from a Ukrainian, Polish, Viennese background, and we save stuff. And I grew up in a home that revered museums and ended up working for a museum my entire career so far, 40-something years. I never thought I could start a museum. The idea never crossed my mind. That's for Rockefellers and Whitney's and Guggenheim's. I'm a spiller. This is a different league. But time went on. I did some exhibitions, and they're a lot of fun to put your work in the public eye and get the reaction. Sometimes haters are going to hate, but that can be okay, and you can learn from those mistakes you've made from getting called out and keep trucking. So I got married. My wife gave me a 50th birthday present, which was shelves and a big long table with a museum case dropped into it so I could work on my museum projects and exhibit on the same table, if I cleaned it up, of course. And that's really fun. That's moch the Museum of Choking Hazards, but it's an indoor museum. It's for guests of our family in our house. And we have these two big windows right on the sidewalk, right on 54th Street between Roosevelt Avenue and Queens Boulevard, and we wanted to activate those. Further, we have a courtyard, a side yard, a little strip of land, an unbelievable thing for a New Yorker. 
Sure, in 49 of the 50 states, everybody's got space and land and a garage and a storage shed, but we've got this little sliver, 35 feet by 10 feet of land, and that's precious. So along came a grant from the Queen's Art Fund, and we applied. My wife had done research into our neighborhood, Woodside, in 2008, just after we bought this home, and we applied to Creative Capital for a major grant to support a project about Woodside Pride, about building and keeping and expanding community in our neighborhood. We didn't get that grant, but we saved the files, the research, and most of all, the idea that we wanted to be part of a community. And now it's back. We got that grant from the Queens Art Fund, and wham, the Woodside Heights Art Museum is about to open. Amazing. Could you talk a little bit about, A, your previous museum experiences that uh, kind of prepared you in a way for what you're doing now, and then a little bit about your uh, background as a collector, which I would say also informs this plan? I was a kid, a little kid. Before I can remember, I'm sure I kicked rocks home. I'm sure I picked up sticks and shells at the beach and put them on a shelf in my home. But my first real museum experience was at the United States Department of State Diplomatic Reception Rooms and the White House in Washington, D.C. Talk about privilege. My parents had an ad agency. They made some money. They invested in art. A couple of those pieces of art were borrowed by the White House for display in the president's bedrooms, in the hallways, and at the State Department. As a result, my parents were friendly with the curator, Clement Conger, and when it came time for my urban studies class practicum, I wrote to Mr. Conger and was accepted for a one-week internship in D.C. One day, they gave me a pair of white gloves, a ring of keys, and a rolling cart. And they said, go down the hall, open that cabinet, empty the silver out of the cabinet, put it on this cart, and wheel it into the storage room over here. And they left me alone, 16, with national treasures so fine, we show them off to all the visiting dignitaries. There's Martha Washington's teapot. Oh my goodness, I can't believe this. They're letting me, and I bobbled the lid on that thing, and I quickly put it down on the cart, and I kept going. All kinds of treasures made by Paul Revere. And here comes one that's not silver, it's pewter. It's George Washington's porridge spoon. My mind went on imagination full strength. I looked left, I looked right, nobody was looking, so I licked. I licked the father of our country's porridge spoon. That is against all museum regulations. And I got into it. I collect spoons. I love ordinary, everyday, more than precious gold. You were talking about how, how this internship at the White House and your family's background sparked your passion for art and, and, uh, and for collecting everyday objects. But then eventually uh, these things kind of grew and you started working in museums and you started uh, building collections of other kinds of objects. Um, and one that stood out was um, your collection of menus, 
which I believe you hold a Guinness record for. I cannot tell a lie. That is truth. Even though there are likely other collectors with more menus than I, nobody has gone to the effort of beating that record. It's set at 5,006. I probably have double that amount of menus, but I don't have them anymore. They all belong to the Harley J. Spiller Restaurant Archives at the University of Toronto Scarborough. I started collecting menus when I got to New York City to take my first job in the curator's office at the Jewish Museum on 92nd and 5th. I was making in the high one figure, $9,200 a year. So that meant 10 bucks a day for everything. So newspapers and magazines were out, but I wanted to read. I kept reading. What did I read? Takeout menus were all over the Upper West Side where I was staying with friends. And I pulled them off the coat hangers and out of the racks in front of restaurants all up and down Amsterdam, Broadway, Columbus. And they were fascinating. And I kept gathering those menus and stopping my friends in their car to back up and go get one from Long Line, no pork restaurant. Turns out Long Line is a sort of mistranslation of Chinese for very popular and no pork was halal. This was Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, a burgeoning halal neighborhood. So I saved and saved menus and in 1991 created an exhibition called A Million Menus an exhibition and celebration of Chinese takeout food in America. And if things could have been called viral before the internet, that was viral. And so I kept collecting and working with ordinary everyday things because I can't afford Picasso ceramics. But why can't I play the game the same as Mr. Lauder? And for your first exhibition at, at Wham, you're focusing on the arts, cultures, and forgotten histories of, of Woodside Heights. Could you talk a little bit about uh, what's going to be in your inaugural exhibition and, uh, and kind of like what you have planned for future things as well? There are three exhibitions for the grand opening. In no particular order, we have uh, installed four signs by artists in our side yard, in our courtyard. We believe this is the world's only sculpture garden dedicated to artist signs. We have signs by Lady Pink and Roger Smith, by Norm Magnuson, by Ilona Granite, by Stowe Len, and by a man named Eddie Stulick. And we hope to continue collecting signs. All these signs are visible from the sidewalk, so Wham! is open 24 7 365, courtesy of the big streetlight. We're also using two of our store uh, storefront windows uh, right onto the sidewalk. My wife has curated a collaged history of Woodside Heights, researching the origin of that forgotten name and lots of activities that took place and were noted in the media uh, way back when. Um, there was a hog guessing contest and a a union rally and fight and a cigar factory. There's wonderful stories from our past uh, that tie to the present, we hope. And my part is the second window. It's called Fruits of Woodside. I was very surprised to learn that the home we bought, Peach Tree, gave really delicious, yellow, juicy, chin-dripping fruit. I thought peaches had to grow down south Georgia way, but they grow really well here 
in this gritty urban neighborhood? How can that be? And I realized that the Lenape Hoking and many other Native Americans chose to set up on Long Island. Why? In large part, it must be the rich, fertile, growing conditions. Think about it. Some of the world's finest wines come from the North Fork of Long Island. That's the same land that we're on in Woodside Heights. So we have three opening exhibitions and we are also starting our call for the next show. Over Labor Day weekend, someone, an artist, will be selected to have the second exhibition in those two window boxes. It's an open call. The only parameters are the topic of the exhibition must be about Woodside. And do you have other, you know, aside from the historical aspect of, you know, the way you're looking at the neighborhood and Woodside and its history, do you have plans for engaging the community, the current sort of community with any sort of collaborations or outreach or? We do. And on our website, whamartmuseum.org, W-H-A-M artmuseum.org, we have a, a area called the neighborhood. And we list all the places where you can get food and drink in Woodside Heights and a few places we really love further afield. Many of those are linked to their websites and all of them have uh, address and contact information. We're also um, very proud to be friendly with Woodside Arts Collective, a somewhat older arts organization in this neighborhood, and several other places like Topaz Fine Art. Um, and those places are listed on our website, not officially, but we wanna be part of the Woodside community. So the exhibition open call is open to anybody. We don't want to be the leaders of this museum. We want to be part of a community that leads this museum. We hope today will be a success, that the future will bring more success, and that the neighborhood will want Woodside Heights Art Museum, and that maybe we can get a lawyer to do our nonprofit status for us. Maybe we can get the community board to block off the street and have a big street festival one day. We need this to be very much like city reliquary. We are emulating city reliquary in Brooklyn's model as a civic organization with their blessing and trying to start this up all for fun and community pride. You can find Wham at 4148 54th Street in Queens. The 7 train station at 53rd Street and Roosevelt Avenue should make it easily accessible. You can contact 917-553-4831 for more information. Admission is free. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. For more stories like this, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.